We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. Oh, oh my goodness! Stunning! With the... Devontae Steve! Oh my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 35 out of the ground! Just stop it already! All right, everyone. Welcome in to a live edition of BuzzBeat here on YouTube. I'm Richie, joined by Brian. And Spencer, as always, it is draft night. There's a lot to get to because uh, the Hornets not only are selecting at the number 11 spot, but there was a trade that happened probably about 45 minutes prior to draft time in which Charlotte also moved up 20 spots in the second round and acquired Mason Plumley. So a lot to talk about here. Before we jump into the draft, a couple things that we want to note real quick. Uh, first off, we need to give a couple shout outs to our newest Buy Me a Coffee members. John Fitch, Drew Brown, Paul Hudson, Jordan Smith are our four newest members. I think they're all joined since our last episode. And then also we have a breaking news, I guess, if you want to call it. We have a newest member, a newest host of BuzzBeat here. We're going to add four here. This is our fourth member. You've heard him on the podcast before, and that is Lee Branscombe. Lee, how's it going? Guys, I'm uh, I'm pumped, man. I have been a uh, I've been a fan of the show for for a long time, and then kind of once I got my own thing going and and got to join as a guest a couple times, that was always a thrill and. Now, actually, being a part of the team is is the greatest thrill. So I'm grateful to you guys. And, you know, as, as pumped as I am about draft night, like, I'm just looking forward to the cold February evening after, <laughs> after like, a back-to-back with Cleveland and Detroit. Yeah. And we're, like, arguing about the rotation or which which Martin twin should be playing more than <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, that that those games are really I think like what bonds small market like fan bases and the and the media that cover them. And uh I'll be honest with you guys, I was like itching for one of those games the other day. Like the during the finals games were so stressful, you know, watching watching Phoenix Milwaukee, and I was like, man, I could go for a, just a February 17th uh, you know, Hornets hosting, you know, the Raptors or whatever. You know, I I'd love to have that 
in my life. Just some like low stakes, regular season uh, NBA basketball. Well, Lee, it's awesome to have you, man. You have done some really incredible work over which Carolina um, it, it, one of your you know one of my traditions has been since you've been covering this is your draft board you know diving into that comparing and, con- and contrasting so we're really happy to have you a buzzbeat man and um, yeah I mean job well done for, for what you've done so far and I, I'm kind of surprised you, you decided to be a part of you know a member of the the buzzbeat crew you know so couldn't this turn is it awesome. down, man couldn't turn it down i'm pumped yeah, guys this is I great appreciate it, so. he had a big signing bonus too spencer that you did not receive yeah. by the way <laughs> <laughs> i thought there might yeah there was some back door that i couldn't read into you know being an outsider but yeah that makes more sense <laughs> yeah. all right guys so thanks again for joining us on youtube if you guys have any comments questions please put them in the chat and we will post them get to them uh, before we get to kind of the draft news let's get to this trade real quick with mason Plumley. we have some varying opinions here between brian spencer myself and lee i feel like the, from our text messages brian and spencer are a little bit lower on this trade Lee and myself, you know, while not like ecstatic about it, I think we're, you know, maybe try to see some positive out of it. But basically what happened, Hornets traded up 20 spots from the 57th pick to the 37th pick with Detroit. And in addition to that, they acquired center Mason Plumley. So my initial thoughts with this, guys, is like, you know, on the court, I don't think it's much of an issue. You're going to get a guy that can pass. He can roll. He can cut. He's a solid rebounder on both ends of the court. I think he's an underrated uh, rim protector, which Charlotte desperately needs. The biggest implication is on the cap, the salary cap. And and maybe Mitch Kupchak never had any intentions of going after Rashawn Holmes, but now that they have acquired this guy who is going to be making $8 million for this upcoming season, obviously that's going to hinder their opportunities in the free agent market. So Spencer, I think maybe you were the one that kind of came out the lowest on this trade, but initial thoughts on this, Spencer. Yeah. You know, I just think $16 million over two years is is pretty expensive to move up 20 spots in the second round. You know, am, am I excited about the Hornets having the 37th pick? Yeah, certainly I am because I think, you know, as, as we've all talked about, you know, I think in pot in past podcasts here, there's a lot of depth in this draft. There's going to be good players there at 37. It's not to say that the Hornets can't get something really, really good um, at 37. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Plumlee's 31 years old. He could be dead money by next season. He might be dead money this season. I mean, I, that's not completely off the table. So, you know, it, it's kind of an old-school deal uh, kind of trade, in my opinion, of what I've seen the Hornets do over the years it's not super creative yeah you get an extra you know bite at the apple late in the draft you take on some money with your cap space but I, you know i would just i would have rather the hornets go into free agency and sign a guy like nerland's noel even overpay a guy like nerland's noel who i know is going to play and, and really be productive you know barring injury but we don't know that with mason and uh and again you know i brought up his age think of it this way they're going to take on $8 million-ish for Mason Plumley this coming season. They, they're still paying Nick Batum, who is obviously no, no longer a member of the Charlotte Hornets. So, it, you know, it's not inconceivable that the Hornets are flushing away, you know, $16, $17 million in salary. I mean, seriously, when you look at it from a business perspective, it's just like this is not like if we were getting into the mid-first round, 
even like Lakers at 22, something like that, I would say, okay, this makes a little bit more sense, but pick 37 to take on $60 million salary over the next two years. Like I, it's hard for me to get on board with that, but happy for Mason Plumley at age 31 to prove me wrong. Yeah, it's like um, I'm, I'm a little closer to Spencer. I'm, I'm excited about some of the prospects that are going to be in the 37 pick range. Like a good chance that a guy that you have a first round grade on falls to 37. So even if you're not trading into the first round, there's at least that's one sort of way to look at it. You know, but you could look at, you know, Kessler Edwards could fall down there. You, you know, Aaron Henry could be there. De'Ron Sharp could somehow fall. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. So there's a lot of guys that could be in that range that would be, you know, really nice players to add. Um, Plumlee, I don't think as a player is totally done yet. Like, we'll see. I mean, I don't think like this year went great in Detroit, but I think for the most part, over the last couple of years, he's been a perfectly fine, like good backup center. I like some of the ways you can use him with Lamelo. He's an, a pretty good passer, so that helps. You can run some offense through him. Um, the only other thing, I, like I'm with Spencer, I don't think like you're getting a ton of value out of this. It's interesting for them now to turn the switch and try to be like a dumping ground place to take on salary and add assets, which is something that like. We wanted them to do a year ago before the Hayward contract. They opt not to go that route, and now they're doing it. So that's a little interesting. And we'll see how much value they're actually able to squeeze out of this. There's a chance they add a guy that could be in their center rotation, be like a valuable player for them, and draft another good young player at 37. But like Spencer said, no matter what, you know, you're taking on the the $16 million over two years. Plumlee has a trade kicker that'll kick in as well to bump up that salary for next season uh, a little bit more. And I do, well, for whatever it's worth too, I don't think like this takes them out of the free agency market for centers necessarily. Like maybe Rashawn Holmes wasn't going to come into town already. You weren't going to get Jared Allen. You look around and say like, all right, well, let's trade for this guy. We'll pick up an asset. And if we want, we can still go after Nerlens Noel or one of the other like, you know, slightly cheaper centers that's going to be available on the, the free agency market. They could look to bring back Cody Zeller. Hell, maybe this means if they have less space, like maybe they'll look to bring back Monk now too. Like, I, you know, I just think it, they still have some that's possibilities here, you know? So it's, I'm, I'm okay on it, you know, for the most part, but I am excited to see who they're going to pick at 37. They, they got, they got a good pick with this in my opinion. Lee, we'll go to you. Uh, we'll definitely get to this question here, Maxton, but we'll Lee, we'll go to you real quick about this uh, trade thoughts. Yeah, I, you know, on the court, I do like it. I, I do think that that Plumlee is a slight upgrade over Cody Zeller. And, and to to the question, I, I don't think, and we chatted about this a little bit earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean for sure that we don't retain Cody Zeller. I, I like the fact that, like, this adds another like decent offensive connector to our offense, which is which is full of like pretty good passers. And and it kind of keeps that theme going. I, I like that from an acquisition standpoint. I do think that I wasn't necessarily considering the cap implications, maybe as much as I should have been in my initial reaction. I think those are all really fair and valid points. Mm-hmm. Past the names that we've kind of thrown around here, Nerlens Noel, Jared Allen. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, it gets really thin kind of after those main guys. You're talking Hassan Whiteside. Um, you know, it's just like past that. I mean, Kelly Olenek, like it gets really, it gets really shallow after some of those main guys that we might would like. So I don't know that there was going to be a play there in free agency. Maybe there still is. I like it on the court. I think it's an upgrade. We, we've, we've clearly all kind of 
uh, pontificated about the the concerns of the center rotation, and this adds a little bit of depth. Um, not necessarily like a starter level center, um, but 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 a nice add. And then to, to Brian's point, you move up in the draft. I'd love to see Charlotte take a swing at a point of attack defender at some point in this draft, whether that's Aaron Henry that Brian mentioned, Aaron Wiggins from Maryland, yeah. Raekwon Bray, maybe late in the draft, like somebody that gives us like some on the ball defensive juice. I'd love to see them take a swing at one of these guys and maybe they will at 36 or maybe they will late in the draft. Yeah. yeah. Kessler Edwards known more for his team defense. And I don't think Kessler Edwards is going to be there at 37, but he's an excellent team defender, like really, really good rotationally, not bad on the ball, has versatility. I don't think he'll be there at 37, but he's another guy that could conceivably be there. Aaron Henry is definitely going to be there. He's a guy that I thought the Hornets, if he had stayed in the draft last year, that I thought Charlotte should have kicked the can on at 32. He came back and was even better this year at Michigan State, like evolved offensively a little bit. So he's another guy that would really give them some punch at the point of attack, can really fight and get over screens. So uh, and can spot up and shoot and like play make a little bit too. So I, he's a guy that I would, I would really circle if they're going, you know, wing defender um, in that range, perhaps, perhaps. While we're talking about 37, Nimi Escada out of Utah yeah. state, I, I it, it, not a wing defender center, longest, tallest center. Uh, I think people realize that, that, that at the combine, I have, a, I have a feeling that Charlotte might be targeting him at 37. Sorry, Richard, would, go ahead. That would make a lot of sense, too. We talked about him. We talked about Cato on the last pod a little bit, too. Yeah. And, I, and I believe he's worked out with Charlotte, so they've got a firsthand experience yeah. with him. Before we get away from this Mason Plumley free agent talk and, and we fully shift our conversation over to the draft as it approaches number 11, to this question here, does that mean Cody Zeller is gone? I think we can all agree no, it doesn't necessarily you know, rule him out coming back, but also Cody Zeller is unrestricted. He's going to want to go somewhere to compete. He was even on, I think, the Woj podcast, I believe, and he talked about that, how he wants to go to a top four team in the East or a top four team in the West and be a team that is consistently competing night in and night out for a playoff spot. He thinks that is a winning basketball team. Now, my question becomes, and I was kind of talking to Brian before we started recording, even though Mason Plumley is not a starter level center, I mean, who who is going to be our starting center next year? Considering the fact that we just ate up eight million dollars of cap space, and you're not going to be able to get a Rashawn Holmes, barring some kind of miracle. Maybe Nerlens Noel could be you know gettable in free agency, but would you get like let's 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 say the Hornets were to grab a Nerlens Noel? Is Nerlens Noel your starter, or is that eight million dollar Mason Plumley your starter? I think you start Nerlens and you get the defense and the run yeah. jump okay. lob guy, and then you Plumlee is the guy that you you know you bring in the second unit and he plays with Devonte, assuming you resign Devonte Graham, and those guys are your sort of like offensive catalysts off the bench, um, and then depending on what you need to close the game out, you know if you need shooting and small ball, you play PJ. If you need rim protection, you play Nerlens. If you need, you know, offensive, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little more, you know, passing or whatever out there, you can. It's screen setting. You can go, you can go plumbly. So, like, obviously, I'd rather just have like Rashawn Holmes, <laughs> you know, than that. Yeah. But like, I think it would be sort of piecemeal style like that, and that's how you'd go into it. And, and I guess this would also allow us to just like further perpetuate the Miles Turner to Charlotte rumors for you know, uh, another year of uh, will they or won't they with Miles Turner here. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I tend to kind of lean where Brian's going here. I, I think it's definitely a possibility Charlotte still adds another center in free agency and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, in the, in the dumpster diving variety, if you will. So you get Mason on yeah, a little rich for my blood, but we'll, we'll see what a Nerlens Noel type would be. And then with the with these two picks, 11 and 37, you really swing for the fences, right? You go for, let's say, a Moses Moody's there at 11 and at 37, let's just say the most athletic guy in the draft is there, Greg Brown. And so now you've really used your draft on the young players Mm -hmm. that could in three or four seasons really change your franchise. So I think that it's possible. We'll find out here shortly, but it's possible. That's kind of the path that Charlotte's thinking about. And with the draft, there's always been these rumors with trading. Just uh, Richie, Richie, real quickly, last prediction on starting center for next season. Uh, Not Nick Richards. Ooh. Not Nick Richards. Not That's Nick bold. Richards. That's bold. I think yeah. actually the Hornets have signaled to us they've given up on Nick Richards. <laughs> Nick Richards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's a possibility. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Lee, well, Lee, Lee was high on Nick Richards last or higher on Nick I'm, Richards. I'm still holding out hope. There you go. I'm still holding out hope, guys. <laughs> All right. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. What I was getting at uh, as we approach the 11th pick here, Josh Giddy just went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I think is a surprise to most people. Not that he's a bad prospect, but just because I don't think there was any kind of linkage between those two teams. It didn't seem like anybody was mocking him to OKC. And it looks like Golden State is on the clock here about to announce they're, their pick. Kaminga. Kaminga and Golden State. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, by the way, I like Giddy to Oklahoma City. Uh, I think he and in, in SGA. I mean, I don't know if that's what they're going to build around or whatever, yeah. but that's a pretty fun, pretty fun backcourt to add Giddy's playmaking and vision and passing next to uh, Gilgis Alexander. I like, I like, I like Giddy a, a good bit as a as a prospect. I would add real quickly with Giddy off the board, Memphis at ten becomes. I mean, yeah. it really changes Charlotte's draft because I yeah. think that's who Memphis wanted. Yeah, well, then I guess like Moody comes into play. We'll see if Book Knight is still around at ten too, right? Like that's another guy you could see Memphis maybe taking a swing on at ten if he's again if he's still around. But yeah, I don't know. This could mean well, Moody's I, off the board at, off the board before Charlotte picks at eleven. Goodly. And and kind of in that same vein of like, it, does this mean Cody Zeller isn't back? Not necessarily. I also don't think it necessarily means we still don't take a big at eleven. Like yeah. You know, yeah. Shingun may be there. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Jackson probably definitely will be there. Kai Jones may be there. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds in front of Charlotte here. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Giddy's, Giddy's definitely probably the, the the surprise. I guess Barnes at four would be a little bit of a surprise, too. I know, Brian, you you enjoy Giddy's kind of like half-court passing manipulation and his, pick, his like ability to kind of spray the ball around out of the pick-and-roll. Um Oklahoma City's got a wild young roster right now. Like, yeah, they do. Oku, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's going to be interesting to see like when when they're able to get a guy like Cunningham or to get a guy like Mobley or just like one of these guys that they know. Okay, we're drafting this guy, so we're getting him as a rookie from day one, and we think he's a cornerstone. And I mean, that's like you know they only got SGA a year after that, but. um but, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they're sort of like just spinning the wheels until they can get a guy like that via trade or, uh, or, or you know, even better set through the draft. But, yeah, you're right. They've got – I mean, I like – I think Baisley has had some nice flashes for the Thunder too. It's like, it like a, you know, kind of like do-it-all hybrid forward. So, yeah, no, they've, they've got some – Yeah, yeah. 
Yes, not guarding pick and roll against Charlotte this year when they played out in Oklahoma City, but he is obviously huge. And uh, yeah, like I mean, they just got a lot of good young players, um, interesting players on that uh, on that uh, that roster. And yeah, obviously Wagner going to Orlando at number eight. So I, I like what Orlando did this draft, getting Suns five, Wagner eight, solid. And just, uh, yeah, and they just broke Sacramento's heart there. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh boy. Sacramento oh can use some defense. I wonder if they go Moses Moody here. I wonder if they, they go could. Moses Moody. That's, they could. That's, that's exactly my thought. Yep. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense to go Moody yeah, here. So we have our preferences scrolling down at the bottom of the video here. Uh, and I was doing this with the intention of the fact that they would attack Rashawn Holmes and free agency. So Moody and Booknight are my top two preferences. And I think Booknight could very well be there for Charlotte. Uh, my third preference is to trade back. There's been some rumors about yeah. that. But looks like Lee and... Uh, Spencer, both have Sang- Sangoon at number one. Welcome aboard, Lee. Yeah, welcome <laughs> aboard. I can't, I can't fully get there. I just can't because of his defense. Lee, can you try to? Can you? You did a deep dive recently on him, watching some video. Can you try to sell me on Sangoon? Yeah. So I mean, look. Admittedly, like I was still cramming for this draft within the last week. It's there's just you know you got to try and get eyes on like 150 guys. Yeah. And I, I, I watched Singoon early in the process and kind of resigned my to some of the, you know, the defensive concerns and the foot speed. And he's kind of just like this plodding cumbersome offensive, uh, you know, foreign big and going back on a deeper dive this, this week, like, don't get me wrong. Like, his offense is light years ahead of his defense. There's no doubt about that. And those and those concerns are still valid to a point. I think I was incredibly su- pleasantly surprised. He's like a much more active mover, I-, I think, than I originally realized. I think a little bit of the foot speed stuff is being is being overblown. I like the way he gets vertical around the rim and rim protects. And I realize like he's not going up against NBA caliber athletes, but the Turkish Super League is is really good. I mean, the team that I was watching him against most recently had Kyle Wilcher and Sam Decker, like guys that had, you know, a little bit more than a cup of coffee in the NBA. So I guess, you know, the, the offensive skills are like pretty undeniable. You know, he's he's a fantastic, fantastic passer. Um, he's got every post move in the book at 18 years old. Um, he's a pretty decent athlete and he can and he can finish on the rim. So once I saw like a little bit more of the athletic movement and his ability to get vertical around the rim, I just like fully got on board the train late and uh, and moved him way up my board. I, I would echo everything Lee just said. I mean, I just think the guy's an offensive genius. You know, at 18 years old, to watch what he does already, it's like I know genius is a very strong word, but it's just hard not to like kind of fall at that conclusion. Um, I think Memphis – I mean, Lee just laid it out perfectly. I think Memphis is the absolute perfect landing spot for him. I think he gives them something in the half court that they just don't have right now. You know, they got a bunch of athletes on that team. They're very young. You know, we know what Morant is as an athlete in transition. You know, we'll see where the shot goes. But that team needs somebody that stabilizes their half-court offense. And I think Sangoon is absolutely perfect. So, selfishly, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed well, I'd be very thrilled if they decided to pass on him. I just don't think they would. Well, they shouldn't, in my opinion. But, yeah, I think Sangoon, at his age, what he did in Turkey, the motor he plays with, the energy, active hands on defense. I know it's ugly now. His footwork is just an absolute mess. 
But I think I think he will get to a place that's acceptable. And I'll go I'll go ahead and say it. I think he's more comparable to Kevin Love than anything else that I've seen out there. And I think he has a chance to be better than Kevin Love. I'll, I'll just come out and say it. Yeah, we'll we'll see what the shooting we'll see what the shooting projection goes. Like I I buy Sengun as like a shooter. I think the key is going to be like, can he ever get to the volume and efficiency in the release of a, of a Kevin Love who you know, was one of the more impactful, you know, floor spacing big guys. And a quick, uh, quick like, shooter too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the first half of his career was a double, double machine. And one of the best, you know, rebounders we had too. you know, I, as far as like the post game goes with Shangun, like I, the, the offensive feels good. The chest work, the footwork, his touch, good hands, the post counters. Yeah. You know, I really like that little quick spin maneuver. He has clearly he processes the game on a, on a pretty special level. And I think that's sort of like the defining characteristic is just like how smoothly um, he sees the game. I like his on off ball activity. I like his ability to be like a DHO tower to work in two man game. I think there's a lot of cool ways Charlotte could incorporate him offensively. If he was the pick at 11, what the, what some of their five out concepts that they like to run, you know, I, I am not to the point where I think like, Shangun is like irredeemably bad defensively. Like I don't go there. I don't think he's the worst defensive center in this class or anything like that. Like that to me is, is a little too much because I think the activity, which, which Lee and Spencer mentioned is, is not too bad. And, you know, it seems like he's maybe a little undersized, but hopefully he's still growing. Um, I think another thing that would be kind of important for Shangun is, you know, can he get quicker than he is right now? I think that's going to actually be like a really sort of big deal for him. And unless we can like answer these questions sort of like definitively with his defense, it brings up issues with scalability with his offense and just like how much can he be on the court to unleash what is a very, very good offensive game and what is a guy that should be able to just immediately breathe life into an offense because he can score on the block. The passing is real. He, you know, he projects to be a good shooter. Um, he can make plays on the short roll, you know, just, you know, can he, either be able to float around and guard fours on the perimeter or can he actually like anchor a defense and if he can't do that you know is he able to provide enough surplus value offensively to sort of offset that and then can you like team build around that to paper over some of the limitations but so like you know i I am not like anti shangun pick at 11 um i have my concerns but i like again the offensive upside and skill and profile is is obviously very impressive and i think if you drafted shangun at 11 i think we maybe we could rule out cody zeller what just happened Dave, davion mitchell number oh, nine wow. Sacramento. Right. well they, they need a defense to have their pick of the litter here please yeah, please be moody goodness. please be moses moody that's who i'm open um, <laughs> moody mafia baby yeah. come on oh, down right. charlotte here memphis Memphis, I don't know. Memphis could use outside shooting more than anything, but I, yeah. again, I don't I know. Mean, I think there's a, I think there's a very good chance Memphis takes takes Moody yeah. here, and they um, just they just traded up to this pick too as well, which is uh, frustrating. Yeah. yeah, man, there's a lot of guys here. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, there's the, Charlotte is going to have a lot of options here, and I'm sure yeah. that draft room just get, went into yeah. a little bit of a frizzy. Keon Johnson still kicking around. Kai Jones, Moses Moody, uh, Sengun, obviously. Book night, um, Kisper. yeah, book night, book yeah, night, Kisper, yeah. Jared, Jared book Butler, G, obviously, like my guy, Jaden Springer, still around. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's going to be the pick, but man, I, I really wish Jaden Springer was the uh, was the pick at eleven. But yeah, they've got. I mean, they've got 
seven or eight guys that, that I think you can feel pretty comfortable with. Even, hell, yeah. uh, Zaire Williams, I still really like, – I buy him as a prospect. I know he needs to get stronger. Um, 11's maybe a little bit of a reach for him, but I think you could justify a, a top 11 pick on, on Zaire Williams because he's such an underrated defender, and that shot of his is just so pure. And it's I don't want to read too much into the numbers at Stanford because he had – a really shitty situation right. uh, playing playing college ball this year. So I would I would say real quickly I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte's phones are ringing yeah. hot right now. Dustin so, agrees so, with you in yeah, the yeah. here. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, there you go. So um, I, I yes, so the, all the players you guys just mentioned, I'm sure that there are teams in the mid first round, late first round, you know, in between those two. That are that are calling Charlotte right now, but what's going to take to get up? And, and I would think Sangoon's kind of like he, he's the treasure there, yes. but but who knows? Yes. Maybe Moses Moody is the treasure for other teams. So uh, I, this is this is when I get very nervous about yeah. the Charlotte Hornets and the, <laughs> in the NBA. I, I, I know we're talking about the Hornets, but Mitchell's <laughs> an interesting fit in Sacramento. No, like they've already got Fox. They've yeah. had say that, Brian. It's, uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little weird, right? I, Bobby, Marks, Bobby Marks is very happy. He, Bobby Marks just said Sacramento nailed the pick. So uh, case closed on that one. But yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's I, will, interesting. I will respectfully disagree. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. love this pick, but yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed. Somebody get Spencer a towel. He's 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 a little nervous over there. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma City, come on down. Sixteen and eighteen, eleven. And then Charlotte gets. Why not? Uh, You've got all these picks in the future. Yeah. Come on. Come on. You know you want Sengoon. Charlotte Get gets, uh, you know, Jaden Springer and Sengoon or Jared Butler or whatever at, at 16 and 18. That would be uh, that would be pretty tasty, honestly. That would be real tasty if that were to happen. Now, I wonder if Washington, who had just picked up the 22nd pick from the Lakers, if 15 and 22. Yes, yeah, they can put yeah. that. And I, and I thought about that earlier. Yeah, Washington, 15 and 22, is, it, they're a shark here yeah, for sure. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's a great call, too. But yeah, yeah, my, my preference sure. is if uh, if Moody's off the board and Memphis takes him, I would be willing to trade down to Oklahoma City. I'd be willing to trade down with Washington at yeah. 15 and 22. The, the fact- the fact of the matter is if they did trade back hypothetically to that 15-16 range, one of the guys that they have a positive like thumbs-up grade for at 11 is going to fall to one of those picks, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is Just mathematically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, too many, to, yeah, yeah, too right. many guys. Mitchell, Mitchell um, going top 10 it like, like changes a lot of things pretty quickly, I feel like. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shout out well, to Mark Stein, but it's, it's pretty crazy that the Wizards traded Westbrook and Max Scherzer in the same night. Oh, sorry. That was the Nationals. That <laughs> sorry, sorry wait, the, dude, baseball, the baseball deadline and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scherzer. Scherzer? Oh, dude. Yeah, I, going, what, yeah, going to the Padres. Yeah. My, my buddy Ross is oh, the oh, fan. Oh, oh, oh. They took Zaire. Zaire. Oh, I mean, literally oh, the Hornets Moody, have anything Moody. they want here. Yeah. All right. Wow. So Z, I mean, I, I just said it a second ago. I think you could justify a top 10 pick with, uh, with on Zaire Williams. You called um, that, Brian. You just called me. Yeah. I need yeah. to go get some air real quick. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I was, I was going to say, you guys were mentioning a few prospects that teams might be kind of mm. itching to get up and grab. Uh, this is not a guy that I'm personally super high on, but I think a ton of teams like James Booknight, I think there would yeah, be some teams that would inquire on moving up for him. Uh, it's just like he may have been there. At, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say he'd be the Zaire would be there at 17, but like, I don't think that's like inconceivable for them to have this thought that, but yeah, this makes that Pelicans Grizzlies trade even more confusing to me. I kind of lean towards the Grizzlies winning that trade, but that pick is, is not now. I, now I think, not that at all. Yeah, Woj is is out here saying Memphis moved up to ten. Uh, the, the basic, I think, intimating that they wanted Zaire Williams, huh. and that like maybe there was going to be some competition for him um, in the ten to seventeen, sixteen range or whatever. So I also heard that Memphis was trading up to ten to then trade up again. Like that, that those are the rumors that I've also heard as well. But uh, maybe that was like yesterday's rumors, and maybe Zaire yeah. Williams is really. I mean, the amount of like information and disinformation that's come out this week <laughs> yeah. has been like just dizzying, man. Just whiplash. I don't literally every. Hour. I like that. Yeah. I like Zaire a good bit. Like, I mean, he's 6'10", he's a wing, he can put it on the floor, he can shoot it. Like, what? what's there not to like? But you watch some of that film, it was super ugly at Stanford. You better really, really, really trust your player development uh, to I, draft that guy at number 10. I think he's got maybe the prettiest jump shot in the in this class. Gorgeous, high, like Devin Vassell height type release, you know? He's got to get a lot stronger. That will help him with the rim finishing, and that will help him with getting over screens defensively, which he gets ends up getting caught on way too many screens this season. But like, I still, I still buy. Like, I still buy him. I don't think it's like it, I don't think it's that much of a reach at ten. I think he can be a really impactful uh, two way guy that can give you some shooting, has some space creation with the basketball, and, and really could be like if he gets stronger, could be a, a real terror like defensively at, at the point of attack. And just like the versatility, the team defense, I think could be pretty darn good for for Zaire. But he's gonna obviously he's gonna have to get uh, a lot stronger and healthy. It sounds like, um, at least judging from like our facial reactions, it sounds like Spencer and Brian might be ahead of me and Richie on the on the, <laughs> on the screen a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just I just wait for Spencer and Brian to make the notification. They're probably looking at okay. notifications okay. too. So. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page here because uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're hot on the clock. Right? Yeah. yeah, we are. Yes, we are. We're on. Oh it. my gosh! Anything wow. can happen here. All right, 
Moody would be such a great pick, man. It would be Moody such would a good pick. All right, can we can we do like five seconds? Go 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 go. Who everybody would take? I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Rapid fire style. Sangoon Lee, go. Sangoon. Ah, he's getting a little hesitant here, thinking Moody might be there. Uh, Moody Mafia. I have not. I'm 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 a, I'm a card carrying member. Bring me Moses Moody uh, to to Charlotte. Jaden Springer. I would be very happy with as well. Yeah, Moody for me. He was my number one guy at number eleven, uh, and actually didn't think he'd be here. Actually thought he'd get drafted somewhere between nine yeah. or ten there. Yeah. Um, but I'd be super happy with Kispert too, though. I would love Corey Kispert. I know, I know, y'all aren't quite as high. No, I, I I'm be, with you. I'm with you. I, I, I could live with Kispert as well. Although I would have, I'd be more amenable to that if, like, if you know Moses Moody wasn't still on the board. Though, does that make sense? Um, although Lee, a couple of weeks ago, I think Spencer, you were part of this as well. The three of us went back and forth on Twitter about Moody versus uh, Kispert as well. Yeah, Kispert, so it's, yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're seeing it play out here in real time with the Hornets. It's interesting. It, I mean, is there a wild fun. card here? Is is there a is there a should, could sure, we go sure there is Kai Jones, <laughs> Jaden Springer? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just to get us started. Um, yeah. sure. I mean, you can never get the Hornets out of a, a good old wild card pick. <laughs> Dayron Sharp coming. Dayron. To, uh, oh God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> My computer <laughs> explode right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, all right, now we're yeah, just like, like we don't this, know. This is the Alexis Ajinka that we could go get. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. Book, book Night would be kind of – yeah, I think one of you guys book mentioned night? Book Night. I could, yeah. could kind of live with that, but I think I would prefer – like I would prefer Moody over all these other names we're throwing out there, including Springer, Book Night, Shengun, Kispert, all of whom – I think would be good picks, but, um, but yeah, I think I take Moody over that. If the Hornets mm-hmm. did draft book night and maybe this is the case anyway, I, I think that monk's gone like book night to me. I've compared book night to monk just, you know, with his rim finishing, um, the fact that he can be a shifty ball handler at times, he's got some off ball yeah. movement. I know a lot of people are not as high on book night, but it seems like he got some like late jumpage where like he was projected to go oh, like yeah. six, seven, eight yeah. at, at some point. No, now the fact that he's yeah. sitting here at, at he 11. was, he was an OKC darling for, yeah. for, yeah. A, week, for yeah. like a week now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which obviously now you look back on you're like, okay, that was a smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. His, I mean, his agent was working overtime the last, last few weeks, you know, I really feel like that because his name was really popping, you know, a fair amount actually. To throw this scenario out there, I would actually rather have Monk on a second deal, which will be affordable. At least, you know, yeah. his $16 million cap all throws you off the sim, but, you know, he's not going to cost anything close to that. Um, and now that the Hornets have taken on $8 million in Mason Plumley salary, you know, they've already eaten into that salary. So I would rather have Monk at age, I don't know, yeah. what is he, 22, 23, 23, being in the league. Yeah, 23 years old, being in the league this long than taking on Book Night. I, I would rather find a way to yeah. re sign him. Yeah, Monk has also been like pretty darn good the last two seasons. Like, I mean, I, when, I know when he's all, out there, yeah, not all yeah. the numbers bear that out, but yeah, I, I just I've done like a rewatch of some of his best games from this season, and admittedly, that's a you know it's a biased sample, but holy moly, man, he had some just unbelievable offensive performances for Charlotte. And I'm not talking about just like oh he went nuclear and hit a bunch of jumpers. Like playmaking was was yeah, really, yeah. really good. Creator. Team defense, yeah, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. So. It's well, he funny how like the national year yeah. than he had. He shot the ball better this year oh. than he had in any previous season. Yeah, I, I didn't buy the shooting. They did three point slump a season ago. You know, like I, I think I also think his like hand or thumb on his right hand was was like messed up last season. It was bandaged the whole year. 
Um, and I, I don't know. I just didn't. He every other year going back pre Kentucky, Kentucky, and then all other three of his four NBA seasons, he's been like a good to very good three point shooter. The one thing that like you really like only Hornets fans like if you watch the games would know is that he is a good playmaker. But like the yeah. national media, just yeah. seeing some tweets yeah. about him, you know, yeah. you know, deep dark Twitter, you know, tweets yeah. is like, yeah, but he's not a playmaker. It's like. You don't watch the games then. Yeah, yes, he, he is. He is a playmaker. A, yeah. like, a, not like a versatile playmaker, too. Right. Like in transition connector, second side pick and roll, like the pin down playmaking. He does it. He just does it in a bunch of different ways. Uh, book, uh, here we go. Uh, well, James Booknight. Wow. Yeah. Spencer just wow. let out a sigh. He just let out a sigh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, look. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. To be honest, um, supremely talented offensive score. I mean, seriously, this guy can fill it up. I said it on the podcast in the past. I, you know, I, I think he has a chance to be a real volume score in the league and a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do buy the shot. He is a pretty stroke. It's very fluid. It looks natural. I know the percentage, you know, give or take 30%, somewhere around that uh, at UConn. Like that team was did not have spacing, had a lot of athletes, but didn't have spacing. Um, like I buy book night being a good player and a good score in the league. I, I don't like, I don't like this pick. I don't like this pick here. I, I think it's, I think it's not what Charlotte needed. And this certainly, certainly signals exactly what, what we were just talking about, about Malik Monk is not going to be a Charlotte Hornet next year. And that could have been the case regardless though. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could have been the case regardless, but like, th- there's no way they're going to re-sign Malik Monk now after they dr- drafted James Booknight. They, they were obviously disappointed in Monk, and they wanted to move on, and they wanted to drop that. So what this also signals is, you know, you can get rid of that $16 million cap hold. Now you have Booknight in there. Now you have, you know, depending on a few different things, anywhere from 12 to $15 million in cap space. I don't know. I, I just he's not the highest selling player left on the board. And with all these guys falling, I, I would have liked to see Charlotte really swing here. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with the Hornets outside of the center position is that they needed two way guys. And I think Book Knight right now on the defensive side of the court, that's probably where I see a lot of his issues just in terms of like getting lost off ball. I think he does have a tendency to do that almost like Miles Bridges did his first couple of years in Charlotte. Uh, he does lock in at times when he's on the ball. I think that's where probably you're going to see his biggest asset on defense is on the ball. But to me, like he's one of the best finishers, like out of any prospect in this draft, he can like contort his body, great finisher yeah. around the rim. That's a very big asset for him. And I think right now when it comes to his offensive game, he's going to be able to kind of create shots for himself because he's so shifty and he can do in and out dribbles and string together a couple different types of moves. And we all talk about his off ball movement as well. I think that's probably one of his more underrated aspects, but right now is shooting. Maybe you don't buy the shooting. Maybe you do buy the shooting, but the off ball movement combined with the off ball shooting, it kind of doesn't really add up because he's, he's a good off ball mover, but he hasn't really done a good job of shooting the ball uh, when it comes to catch and shoot situation. So uh, he actually was my second preference here behind Moody. I know that Spencer's a little bit lower on this. I do wonder, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, but maybe they're drafting for somebody else. But again, that's, that's always in the back of my mind. That's always in the back of my mind. 
So I'll say this with Book Knight. The sell with him is athletic combo guard with scoring pop who can play yeah. make some not really not that advanced of a passer. You know, he's not like making layered reads, real simple, sort of like one pass away stuff. Uh, come off the screen, look to score, look for the roll man. If nothing's there, you know, kick it back out and keep it moving. Um, but a dynamic off ball mover and scorer. I can think of a lot of creative ways that James Rayo could feature him offensively. Think of a lot of the stuff that like they use with Terry Rozier. Well, you could try that with uh, James Booknight as well. But sprinting around screens, using those actions to ramp up and get into his scoring maneuvers, good footwork to set those actions up, good pace, use of force. He's functionally strong, stronger than he looks, actually, I think, and does a nice job using angles. Very explosive vertical athlete. Like Richie said, he can contort and finish with some good smoothness, has nice touch around the rim, good body control, really some like pretty impressive like creative finishes, absorbing contact, moving the ball around this season, touching it off the glass. Um, I think some people see him as like an instant offensive guy that can heat up quickly and, and cook out of the pick and roll. But he is really more of this sort of like off-ball wing scoring type, right? So that's an interesting archetype to put next to LaMelo. And I think we saw it with some success with Terry Rozier uh, yeah, this season. Rozier, yeah. yeah, despite the athletic traits that we just mentioned, pretty limited defensively, which Richie touched on, messes up his team defense assignments all the time. But uh, I really do think the on-ball half-court movement stuff is interesting. And it's a spot where just like, look, he's going to have to excel at that early and often in his NBA career, you know, once he comes off those screens, what exactly can he do? Um, you know, can he use that stuff to, to apply rim pressure? Can he hit threes coming off movement? Can he make some, some very simple reads and, and hit roll guys and stuff like that? So it's, it's an okay pick. I don't think it's the most inspired one. I think Moody, the wingspan, the three and D archetype, the, I think the fact that Moody has some, uh, you know, I think the, the, the high end outcome for Moody is, is higher than than one for Book Knight, who's older than Moody too. It, it, it's okay, but I but I do like the off ball movement shooting, and I think it makes sense on Charlotte's roster. Unfortunately, it could also be the thing that cost uh, you know Malik Monk, which would be a bummer for me because I've just yeah. I'll never stop buying Malik as a talent. And, and as a guy that can really be a, like a, a difference maker, actually, in the NBA. Yeah, look, I, I mean, full disclosure, I was I was lower on book night than than most. If I'm trying to talk myself into this pick, I think it's it's a couple things. It's what Brian says, like this. Is, this is a guard with with some size on the wing. And if Charlotte was or is going to bring back Graham Monk and still have Rozier, those are obviously three like diminutive guards in our backcourt. And we've kind of talked ad nauseum about how that coexists in the future. So it makes sense from that standpoint. It just, it just hurts with two big time shooters on the board that fell to 11 that we pass on them. If the shooting comes online with book night, which I'm, I'm bearish on it, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. If the shooting comes online, I think that changes the calculus for like his ability to create in the half court and you could be looking at a, at a pretty special, you know, size combo guard. My concern and, and my concern in Charlotte's offense is he's a little bit of a ball stopper. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was like an ISO creator a lot of times at UConn. He wanted to put the ball on the floor three or four different times, shake, you know, wiggle, get downhill. 
I just don't know how that fits with kind of the creators and the offensive connectors and like the way the ball just pops, pops. around and Charlotte's offense. That that's where I get a little hung up. Uh, by tomorrow, I'll talk myself into this. I'm just I'm just a little bummed right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna kind of thread the needle in between what Brian um, and Lee said. There is whoa, oh Josh Primo, holy moly, twelve, whoa, my gosh. I mean, I had him high on my board, but good lord. <laughs> This draft um, is wild. It is wild. And <laughs> yeah. there, there, all signs were pointing towards that. But, um, yeah, I mean, what you guys said, like Brian brings up, and Brian, you've been tooting the horn on this for a while with him. You know, he can play off the ball. He is a very smart, high IQ mover off the ball using screens, getting to his spots, get, getting to a, a space that gives him an open shot. And Lee, he is a little bit of a ball stopper, right? Like he, he does like to pound it. Um, I think some of that was a little bit of, again, UConn's offense, what they needed. I don't know. I mean, it, this is a little bit of, of a player development um, mm-hmm. bet here for Charlotte. And and the last thing I'll say, I don't know what this means for Terry Rozier, but it probably doesn't mean that he's resigned or extended uh, yeah. because I think this would be sort of a replacement. Like they are – they're not a perfect facsimile, but they're close enough to, it makes me think that like, okay, here's where zero on an expiring contract. Charlotte's like, we'll see what happens, but they're, they're geared and ready to cash out on that expiring contract this next summer, or excuse me, this trade next deadline. season, yeah. the trade deadline, if it comes up. So yeah, I'm going to have to watch a lot more film. I'll be honest. I watched a good enough, uh, you know, enough of book night to have a good feel for it, but I need to dig in deeper because this is not what I was hoping for. Yeah, you were watching too many Turkish games over there, Spencer. Too many Turkish games. You're right um, about that. <laughs> that and a lot of Arkansas games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right, guys. We're going to wrap up here. We're probably going to come back on when they pick at number 37, assuming they're still at 37. Uh, we're going to wrap up with our first round conversation, and we'll let you guys know if we hop back on on YouTube. All right, everyone, we're back. The Hornets traded back into the first round with the 19th overall pick here with the New York Knicks. All signs are pointing to Kai Jones, who actually worked out for the Hornets twice. So that probably was a good indicator that the Hornets were interested in Kai Jones, that they brought him back. This guy is kind of like Brian has said before. Uh, more of a four and a half than maybe a true five. He plays more like a wing, both offensively and defensively. But the thing with this trade, we don't know the exact details, but the Hornets are giving up a future first round pick here. And uh, we were discussing, you know, depending on the protections on this pick, we would hope that it would be lottery protected uh, at least for the first year that they uh, trade here. So Kai Jones is going uh, or being picked by the Knicks. This is going to be a proposed trade to the Hornets. Kai Jones, fan of this guy or not? Huge fan of Kai Jones. Um, he was a he was a lottery pick on my board. The thing with Kai Jones that, that I've been kind of a proponent of is like he's been framed as this massive high-risk, high-reward pick, which I think is definitely true to the upside. Like he's an asymmetric bet, but him reaching his full potential is going to be like an arduous task for him because he's got a long way to go, but like the off the dribble stuff that he flashes, the shooting that he flashes is super unique and uncommon for a player, his size that moves the way he does. 
My whole point with Kai Jones and the reason why I like him is like, I don't think his floor, like, I think he's got a pretty decent floor too, because even if like all the extra bells and whistles of the offensive stuff never comes around, he's still like a pretty good, you know, high level athlete rim run rim protection needs to come around a little bit. He's got the tools to do it. He's got to actually execute it, but like vertical lob threat for sure with LaMelo and the pick and roll in transition. Mm-hmm. I just think like as a, as a, as at the very least as like an energy big, he's going to be pretty useful. Then the gravy on top is if all the other stuff happens as well, then you're starting to look like a potential easily a starter level type player in the NBA. So that's kind of my Kai Jones rant. I, I, my head is spinning trying to process all this, but I, I like the pick. Yeah, it's um, this is interesting. I did not perceive them going uh, this route, but as Spencer was saying right before we got on here, uh, Charlotte's going for it in this draft. There's no doubting like the the talent and sort of like the upside intrigue and flashes that Kai showed this season. If you haven't watched him play. He really does move like a six eleven wing, like like he is that sort of fluid um, laterally uh, with the basketball, with his shot creation. Like he can do some some pretty like unbelievable jarring stuff uh, for a guy that size and that length. On the positive side, assuming he is able to tap into one of his better shooting outcomes, he can be a really good. Uh, pick and roll, pick and pop target with Lamelo, which is something that I the one of the, the thing that I am like most intrigued by with Kai Jones is what he does as a screener for you offensively, as a guy that can roll to the rim, can be a run jump guy, um, can be a pick and pop player, and then when you throw him into space like that, you know, can shoot off the catch if there's a hard close. You know, he's a little limited in what he can do to attack a closeout. He's not going to, like, you know, make a play for someone else. But he can put the ball in the deck, get to the hole. He's got some sort of, like, creative finishing packages. The Like, even break out, a, you know, a Euro step in the half court. Um, and he's got the some, you know, pull-up shooting abilities. The shot versatility was pretty good this season with Kai Jones. And I, and I do like what he could do for you as, like, a, a guy that could screen and then just move in any direction after that. And so I like how that can pair with uh, with Lamelo. I like how that can pair with compares that how that can play with PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, who do similar things, right? Like those guys can pick and they can do everything after that. Um, so I think you know having someone like Kai to that mix is interesting. I mean, who knows how much he'll play next year? He's already turned twenty, but this is a bit of a development piece. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be defensively like he's just not going to be up to speed to to be able to, to come in and, and, and really like play a, a lot of sustainable minutes, um, winning minutes with him on the court defensively. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I just think that's going to take some time. Uh, the film is like tough with him defensively. He has moments with his athleticism and length that make you think, well, what could this guy be? Uh, some other smaller stuff. I think he's a nice weak side cutter. I think that's a pretty underrated part of his game. 
Um, we, we've talked about that on a previous pod before, but I think he and Raekwon Gray sort of fly under the radars to like big guy cutters in this draft. There were passing flashes, but the emphasis like flash is doing a lot of work in that sentence. Um, you know, I wouldn't say he's exactly like a, any sort of like creator for others, but a guy that can kind of close out, draw help and, and make a dump off or whatever, lay down pass. So, um, I'm not crazy about this maneuver. Um, but I do like Kai Jones as a prospect. I like him as someone that could potentially develop and work into Charlotte's system and, and be a guy that you could see play with in these some of these three, four, five lineups where everyone's floating around positionally with uh, with PJ and with Miles and, and just Lamelo, you know, pulling all the strings. But um, this is just not the path I really saw them going at the start of the night to address some of the needs at center by. You know, trading for Mason Plumley, which of course added them another pick, and then trading back into the first round to get Kai Jones. Uh, it's it's interesting, but I but I do ultimately like Kai's upside offensively as a as a prospect. There's, yeah, so there's a few moving parts here on like how this kind of came to fruition. I think number one is New York and Charlotte have talked this week about 11 and about 19 and 21. And I think ultimately they couldn't find a deal that involved all those picks, but New York probably left it. Hey, we know who you want. Why why don't you just call us later? If it's working out that way. And and I think that's kind of what happened here. So Charlotte made the, and that's part number two, Charlotte made the decision that, um, it's time. This is our guy. We believe that number 19, this is really a top 10 talent. I think that if you've read the tea leaves this week, that Charlotte has believed that all along about Kai Jones. You know, we'll see. To Brian's point, I, I don't love the value proposition here. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the first round pick is in the future. If it's a lottery protected, mm-hmm. so be it. I hope they take it out to like LaMelo's, you know, final year on his rookie contract, if not farther than that, because that just means you're betting on your team to be good, right? So, like that, that would kind of be what I hope the outcome is here, but we'll have to wait and see. In terms of Kai Jones as a prospect, I, I really, it's hard not to watch him run the floor and, and not just be intrigued, right? Like a 6'10, 6'11, what he can do is length. You know, the metrics don't jump off the page at you, but he has these moments, uh, two way moments, block a pass you know, go gobble up the loose ball, take it up the floor, hit the open man, relocate, knock down an open three. Yeah. I mean, like the guy is supremely, supremely talented, but he is one of the worst decision makers I saw on film in the, in this draft class. And so it's like, how much can you get out of him? Um, or how much can you sharpen those tools? The one thing I will say though, playing with LaMelo and this has been brought up a lot if they get Kai Jones to buy into a role and a very specific role, mm-hmm. you know, you're a pick and pop. You're, you know, you're a pick, you know, you're a screen and dive guy. Um, we're going to place you in the corner every now and then. Cause you're more of four and a half. You guys brought up his cutting abilities. Like if they, if they get Kai Jones to buy into very one, two, three, you know, ABCD, this is what you do on the basketball floor. And that's how you succeed. And he buys into that. I think he can be a really good NBA player, but you watch Kai Jones on film. And to me, what what's coming off to me is that he wants to play the three, right? Like he, he wants to be a wing. I don't think he's a wing. He's a long ways away he, from being a skilled wing. So 
he fashions himself like Durant, you know, like I, yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly, part of that exactly. is like the, the Texas Jersey he's on running around, but just like, I don't know for me, I see a guy like Usman Garuba that's still on the board that could have really helped you out defensively. Um, I mean, hell Keon Johnson's still around at this point in the draft too. So that's another guy, I guess if you wanted to, you could have thought to have uh, traded back in and maybe there's, you think you can get some upside with Keon, you know, around, you know, 19 or 20 or whatever in the draft. So, I, I don't know. I think Kai is an interesting guy to to go back into it for, but I don't know. The, the, you Spencer brought up the transition game. He is awesome in transition. Like really good. The court, yeah. It's just the straight line speed, the finishing. It's the um, best. It's the best film he has to me. It's yeah, just open yeah. court and like yeah. that's. I mean, yeah. they, the Hornets have Lamelo Ball. He's an employee of the team. Um, they 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 they're going to run and they're going to do. Like, you know, crazy shit and transition and get into chaotic situations. And, like, yeah, I'm sure those two guys will have some highlight plays uh, together next season. I could also see, depending on how Charlotte fills out the roster, like, I could see Kai also spending some time in Greensboro uh, next next year as well. Yeah, depending on, you know, how they approach the bigs in the free agent and, market. So Jaden Springer also hanging around too. Like there, there were guys that I think that would have made sense to get back into the first round four, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Kai's not the guy I would have taken that chance on, even though I do like him as a prospect. It seems like you guys are kind of uh, down on the fact that one, they traded back into the first round and traded a future first round pick. I know that Lee is a little bit higher on Kai Jones. I, I like his activity on both ends of the court. Obviously he's going to have a lot of learning to do because he's only played the game for five years, right? Like that's been a thing that's kind of been in the notes with Kai Jones. He's not very experienced and you get him in a program with James Borrego, who is known for player development. And to your point, Spencer, if he can go in with the mindset that I only do X, Y, and Z and, and keep it simple, you know, slipping screens, picking and popping, and just letting his athletic ability take over, I think that's going to go a long way. Uh, but on the defensive side of the court, I, I see some issues there as well. I, I think um, out on the perimeter, is where he probably excels, but down low and uh, defending fives, I just can't really see it. Go ahead, Brian. So Zach Lowe is reporting uh, yeah. heavily protect the, the outgoing pick from Charlotte to New York, heavily protected 2022 first rounder uh, with protections that decrease over the next three seasons. According to sources, okay. uh, specifics are uh, coming, gotcha. but so yeah, Teddy on the books right now, it will be a 2022 first round pick uh, heavily protected. So yeah, it, it would have to mean it would, it would be insane for it not to be right. So, right. Well, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see Kai Jones in a uh, book night in summer league and, and Leangelo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, well also, you know, don't you guys think it's like a little funny that the Hornets have now used two first round picks now on guys that are older than LaMelo ball this year, <laughs> like both James book night and Kai Jones, uh, older than the, yeah, than the Hornets like star young point guard here. Superstar Nate Darling will be in Vegas too, so let's not. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey man, I was going back through old U nineteen FIBA box scores this week, and uh, Nate Darling was on the twenty seventeen team with uh, R J Barrett for uh, for Canada. Canadian got, team. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. They beat <laughs> they beat you, they beat Team USA uh, out in uh, the pride of Nova Scotia. Is there that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh God. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with uh, with him because uh, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what they do with the two way deals this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. I would. I mean, 
I'll be curious to see what they do with um, with Riller, with Darling. It, it seems likely that you know if they end up keeping the late second was that pick fifty seven that they still have, like mm-hmm. they end up using that, I and mean, that probably turns into a two way guy, I would guess, or maybe maybe not. But you know, we'll see there. But it feels that feels like a part of the roster where there could be some moving and shaking there. So we got some pick protections here on this Charlotte yeah. uh, twenty twenty two pick. So it's one to eighteen protected next season. One to 16, 23, one to 14, 24, and in 2025, one to 14. So Charlotte did its yeah, lottery it's protected bad. throughout throughout its yeah, lifetime. Cool. And and so, okay, yeah, and it will turn into two future seconds if it's not conveyed by 25. So that's, I think, that that's pretty good. I mean, that, that's a pretty low risk. If you're that sure of a prospect, which it seemed like, you know, again, the Hornets were married to Kai Jones for weeks now. If you're that sure of a guy, I think that's an okay risk to take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, it legitimately is heavily protected. Um, well, and this this know. is like, yeah, I mean, that makes me feel a lot better too because now, you know, knock on wood, none of this happens. But if you have an injury derailed by, by injury or something and you're just mm-hmm. unexpectedly really bad, you yeah. don't, you know – you, yeah. you 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 keep that big time lottery pick if if for some reason the wheels fell off you know yeah. I mean this can happen in NBA. At, at no point will they lose a lottery pick because of this transaction right. is one way to is one right. way to, to right. think about it um you know uh, that, that, that that softens that softens it a, a little bit um but yeah and I will say I, I although I'm probably the highest on Kai Jones I, out of us I know Richie seems to like him too yeah, yeah. I don't think it's ridiculous to say that he would potentially spend time in Greensboro too, though. Like that's kind of the, that's the, that's just the reality with Kai Jones right now. Um, But Mm -hmm. from a timeline standpoint and, you know, at this point, I think we can feel decently confident about kind of the Hornets developmental program with, with the evidence we have of like the young roster development and also like the one thing you all kind of alluded to too is like LaMelo ball brings out the best, you know, in his teammates. I mean, miles bridges deserves a ton of credit for his own player development, but LaMelo ball allowed him to kind of show his best self in certain ways too. So Mm -hmm. I I like, you know, I like the fact that LaMelo will be able to hopefully put Kai in, in, you know, situations where he can be successful, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, to kind of go back to the protections and, and what it took to get this deal done, th- there's a very good chance that this pick does not convey next year. And the Hornets will need that pick because it's still going to be early on, right? Yeah. Yes. You get to 2023, it changes a little bit. But but again, like I, I think at that point, the expectations have changed. So for the Hornets to do this deal, to get Kai Jones again, guy they really like without – having to get any kind of lottery risk, yeah. I, I think is a job well done. I really, I really do. And, and look, you brought up, uh, Lee, you know, how high you are on, on Kai. I really like Kai, too. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did a little quick Twitter breakdown on him a few weeks ago. I just think that if, you're, if he's not tailored in the right way along his development – he can he can be out of the league in a few years. Like he's one of those guys, you know, because he he just doesn't have a good concept of who he is as a player yet and what makes him successful on a basketball floor. But I do like the approach the Hornets are taking with the player development and how they seem to be slowly but surely kind of doubling down in that area and really, 
really utilizing Greensboro. I mean, I think that is a that's a smart bet. And, and for the price that like I like this price way more than I like the Mason Plumley price earlier in the night. So. Yeah, yeah. It's um a couple of numbers to just spit out about uh, Kai Jones here. Uh, during his freshman season in Texas, just seven of twenty four on threes. Um, in year two, not much more volume, but thirteen of uh, thirty four. So you know, a little over thirty eight percent. Some of the other indicators are like okay, not great. Sixty nine percent from the free throw line this season. That's not really. Uh, a positive indicator necessarily uh, only 33% on long twos. So, you know, there's that as well, but the stroke looks good, right? Like the, if you can trust the film a little bit on that looks pretty good. Seems projectable. Um, 46 dunks this season shot 74 and a half percent at the rim uh, with 64% of those shots uh, coming assisted unsurprisingly. And you can expect that trend to continue, um, uh, you know, in the NBA. Uh, so yeah, anyways, 56% effective shooting on catch and shoots in the half court, uh, according to synergy as well. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, um, it's, he has a really intriguing offensive profile, if you can get the defense squared away. Um, I, I really do believe that. I just think the defense is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of work. And you're going to have to sort of like positionally figure out where he's going to slot in. Um, but there is some idealized version of Kai Jones that develops well. And you can play him with PJ and Miles. And all of a sudden you've got three guys that he's looking at amoeba in your front court, right? You saw them kind of do this with McDaniel some this year too, but you know, you've got three guys that can, that can all switch around that can give you some bit of rim protection that can give you some shooting and all three of them can be big time threats screening for Lamelo, which is, I think, a, you know, you can, there's some cool ways you could build around that offensively. You know, we talk about switching in the backcourt so much, I think in this, but w- the league is now, to where the most important thing is being able to switch in the front court. And, and yeah. to Brian's point, I mean, yes, like Jones is with PJ, whatever machination you want to put together, like the front court is very, very malleable defensively now. Yeah. The one thing that, like, you know, looking at this draft, like, I don't think we anticipated coming away with Kai Jones and Book Knight in the first round when we headed into tonight. And both of these players have some concerns on the defensive side of the court. And Hornets, you know, have always had some issues on the defensive side of the court. So we're not really addressing those issues quite yet. So maybe we're just trying to outscore everyone. Let's go round robin here. Just, you know, initial gut reaction. If you were to give this a grade in the first round coming away with book night coming away with Kai Jones and taking into consideration what they had to give up for Kai Jones. We just talked about how it actually is a lot better than maybe we initially anticipated. What letter grade would you give it Lee? It's well, I mean, it's been a big night. Like we've added Mason Plumley, Kai (laughs) Jones and James book night to our roster. And Oh wait, we still have two more picks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But look, I'll go. I'll go B minus. Um, I, I, I feel pretty good about the night overall. I do think we've improved our roster tonight. I obviously wasn't a massive fan of the book night pick, but I, but I think I'll, I think I'll talk myself into that one. So yeah, I'll go B minus B somewhere in that range for me. Um, yeah, I'm not too far behind. I'll, I'll say C plus sort of more in between the C and the C plus as opposed to C plus B minus. But, um, 
Because I, I just think the Hornets have left a, didn't get a ton of value out of the Plumley transaction, and I thought they left a little meat on the bone at eleven. Yeah, we'll just we'll see how this Kai Jones value prop works out here. Yeah, I'm going to go C plus as well. Okay, well, I'm going to go B minus to make it 50-50 here. So Perfect. Lee, Lee, I'm on your side. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is like Kai Jones has one of, if you know, one of the highest upsides in the draft. And I think most people yeah. were projecting the Hornets yeah. to draft him at number 11. So to get him at number 19, you got to take that into consideration as well. But to your point, you know, Book Knight probably wasn't the highest on your boards. Uh, he was like my second preference behind Moody. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Both of these guys, like I said, have some issues on the defensive side of the court. And that's where the Hornets are lacking right now. So maybe they can address that at 37. Which Maybe Jaden Springer falls to 37. Yes, Guys, yes. let's lock arms. Let's, uh, if you, if I thought any, about it a second ago for you, BG. If, it's if, you possible. Got, if, if you got a ritual that you go to uh, <laughs> for good luck, you know, whatever you do, whatever it takes here the next hour to get Jaden Springer the homecoming pick at, uh, at number 37. Um, that yeah, would start, be start doing it. Yeah. Now, that would also change my opinion on the Plumlee transaction, Same. which I'm pretty neutral on right now. But it would uh, it would make it rather positive uh, very quickly. So we'll see. I can't believe that dude. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not entirely surprised he's still on the board. But it is nuts that what uh, Keon Johnson with 21 and Jaden Springer, the other Tennessee guy, still still available. I, I have to I have to say I I'm not going to let myself get there yet. But I, Miles McBride at 37. Yeah, awesome. yes. It's another yeah. it, the, like a perfect fit next to Lamelo too. Yeah, perfect fit. You give you that point of attack defender. Spot up shooter, yeah. I mean, he's he is he's even got a little post nasty post game too. Like, I, yeah, I, I love uh, Rockets have gone Garuba. Yeah, Garuba. Yeah. I like that pick for them. I they may have gotten the best defender in the draft at twenty three. We'll, we'll see. Well, how about how about the compliment the compliment between Shin Gun and Garuba for the Rockets? Love that. Like, oh my no, god. I, I, I feel like that's been the, a back and forth in the Buzzbeat Slack thread for a while yeah. now. Now that they're both on the same <laughs> the same team, somehow. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes, uh, somewhere there's like. Uh, in some reality, there's a, a Spencer and, and a Brian. The two of us are coming together to like shake hands on this. Like, it, yes, it, it all worked out in the end, you know. Um, at least for for Houston, it did. A, a few names at 37. I want to bring up that are still available. Uh, Joe Weiskamp uh, is one. Yeah. I, I mean, shooter, you know, in, in the Kispert mold, but maybe actually a better athlete, maybe a better NBA player one day. Bones Highland. Uh, R- R- Richmond boy. Uh, from I can't ECU. believe he's still he's uh, still available. Uh, you never know really? here. Um, and then the last name I wanted to bring up, and I know we've talked about JT Thor a lot, so maybe we should resurface that. You know, but Ooh. but just taking Kai Jones. Yeah, I don't know. And then having two other centers <laughs> in Greensboro yeah. right now, yeah. we'll see. Hornets but, are known uh, for drafting multiple centers in a draft. That's just how it works. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, well, true. They- well, like, no, th- well, interestingly, Thor yeah. and Jones are like four and a half more than they are like pure five. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it would be yeah. funny if the Hornets went into the draft to address the five and just like only kind of drafted kind a of, center. You know of. what I mean? <laughs> the, <laughs> like, the last high swing prospect I want to bring up is um, Houston. When, when other, um, no, BJ Boston, Kentucky. Yeah. I, you know, you want to talk about a long wing came out of high school, very highly rated, can do a few things. I think that's what the Hornet like BJ Boston's not ready to go in, go in, you know, to the NBA now and be a difference maker on the wing defensively. But to me, 
That's what the, that's the biggest black eye in the Hornets roster that remains. Yeah. Like they, they've done a few things tonight. They had some scoring. They had another center. I'm sure they'll get another center in free agency. At some point, the Hornets have to add like a wing that can guard multiple positions. They don't have that on the roster. Yeah, like McBride and Springer, they're more like combo guards than they are like big wings, you know what I mean? But I'll say this about Boston. One, I haven't given up on him after the year at Kentucky. I would not be surprised if there was some sort of like undiagnosed, undisclosed injury he had last season. He was just not the same athlete in Lexington that he was as a prep, full stop. He can still create advantage with his handle. He just didn't have the burst at Kentucky to actually like, capitalize on it. Like that, would lead, yeah. that, would, that would lead to the turnovers. That would lead to the bad shots. And he also shot the ball better as the year went along. So it's like you might be able to draft a guy that has like, you know, Jeremy Lamb, you know, offensive potential, but maybe even with more upside at 37. So just, I don't know. I, I like, I haven't given up on Boston yet. And um, I think somebody could be, you know, looking into a pretty good, you know, scoring wing, you know, late first round, early second round, if, uh, if he's still on the board. But, um, man, there's really there's some really good players still around. Like, Desunmu, like, he could fall out of the first round here as well. I don't know, man. It's, I think it's, Henry I think Henry will be there at 37, too. I, I think he's such a good fit for them. I, I mean, I thought it a year ago. And really, like, Henry's defense flies under the radar, Um, I don't think he comes up in the discussions when we talk about best point of attack defender that always ends up going to like Mitchell or Johns, Keon Johnson or McBride. Henry is an absolute tank at the point of attack getting over screens. So and you had uh, New York going Quentin Grimes now at 25. Uh, So just... Wow, that's literally wow. the name I was about to bring up for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> right, he, he's had a, the last couple of weeks have been very good for Quentin Grimes. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he, he's he's yeah. like the combine was uh, yeah. was like a catalyst for his stock to really like take off, and he probably jumped like twenty draft slots over the last month. It feels like. All right, we're gonna log off here and probably jump back on at thirty-seven when they when they draft Dayron Sharp <laughs> out of UNC. Uh, yeah. We probably will not do anything with the 56 overall pick for some obvious reasons, but uh, we will catch you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.